Banu'i 642, Bibai 623, Azgad 1222, Adonikam 666, Bigvai 2056, Adin 454, Ater through Hezekiah 98, Betzai 323, Yorah 112, Hashum 223, Gibar 95, the men of Bethlehem 123, of Nithpa 56, Anachot 128, Asmavet 42, Kiryat Ya'arim and Kithfra, Vibeherot 743, of Ramah and of Giva 621, of Michmash 122, of Bet El and Hayai 223, of Nouveau 52, Magbish 156, Ailam 1254, of Kharim 320, of Lod, Hadid and Ano 625, of Yerecho 345, of Sena'a 3630. Hold on. This is thirsty work. The priests, the descendants of Yeda'ah through the family of Yeshua, 973, of Imer, 1052, Pashur, 1247, of Harim, 1017, the Levites, the descendants of Yeshua and Kadmiel of the line of Hodavai, 74, the musicians, the descendants of Asaph, 128. The gatekeepers of the temple, the descendants of Shilum, Ater, Talmon, Akuv, Chatita, Yashvai, 139. The temple servants, the descendants of Zachah, Chashufa, Tabaot, Kerosh, Sia, Padon, Livana, Chagava, Akhub, Chagab, Shalmai, Hanan, Gadil, Gachar, Racha. Ratsan, Nikuda, Gazam, Uze, Paseach, Bashai, of Asna, Meunim, Nifshashim, Bakbuk, Chakufa, Chachur, Batslit, Micheda, Chasha, Barkos, and Sisra, Tamach, Netzira, Chatifa, the descendants of the servants of Shlomo, the descendants of Sotai, Sofer Et, Perida, Yila, Darkon, Gidel, Shaftia, Chatil, Poker Et, Hatzibam, and Amon. The, the temple servants and the descendants of the servants of Shlomo, 392. The following came up from the towns of Tel Malach, Tel Chashra, Kiruv, Adon, and Imer, but they could not show that their families were descended from Israel. The descendants of Daliyah, Tuviyah, Vinekuda, 652. And from among the priests, the descendants of Chavayah, Chakots, Bartzilai, a man who had married the daughter of Bartzilai, the Giladi, and was called by that name. These searched for their family records, but they could not find them, and so were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor ordered them not to eat any of the most sacred food until there was a priest ministering with the Urim and the Thummimim. The whole company numbered 42,360 besides their 7,337 male and female slaves, and they also had 200 male and female singers. They had 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. 
When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave freewill offerings towards the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for this work 61,000 darics of gold, 5,000 miners of silver, and 100 priestly garments. The priests, the Levites, the musicians, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants settled in their own towns, along with some of the other people and the rest of the Israelites settled in their towns. Yeehaw. Oh, no, 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 you don't have to give. A simple nod of appreciation. That's what we do in Fife. You don't round of applause. So, what is this? What have we just read? For some of you, this will be an awkward passage which quite often when you get to, you will skip over. I don't know if Ross has ever dealt with lists of names in church before. I don't know if he's ventured to do it. Sometimes people deal with the list at the beginning of the Gospels as a lineage that leads towards Jesus. But most of the time when we see a list of names like that, apart from them being almost unpronounceable and indeed unidentifiable, we deal with it as just sort of a list of administration which can be glossed over. And yet, and yet, there must be something about the fact that they're contained in Scripture. Because if we claim, if we claim that Scripture is the revealed will of God, indeed the revelation of Jesus through Scripture is one of the central tenets of what we claim to be as Baptist believers. If we see Scripture as having the ability and indeed the infinity in some cases of being able to speak into any situation, I need to point out to you that this list doesn't exist just once. It also exists in the book of Nehemiah. And if you fancy going and having a shot of the names yourself, Nehemiah 7 is where you will find them. And so this is a twofold list of names that we struggle with and yet would have been normal for the time that we gloss over and yet appear within a document, within a book, within the saying, within the writings of a prophet to announce something. It must be something more then than simply a good and a bad list of people who were yay okay and people who didn't quite make it. Maybe a little bit of the history of the time would help. You see, this list of around about 45,000 people, by the way, don't let the numbers seem like they're small. 45,000 people. I double-checked the population of what is classified as Airdrie. 32,150 is the approximation. It's more than your town. This number of people are making their way back from an exile that was placed upon them on the basis of their disobedience, but it is an exile that has been fairly cruel in nature because it took them out of a place that was central and core to their identity as people. They were taken away from the promised land, that place that had been gifted to them, that place that had been carved out of a nation and of an area of war given to God's people so that the folk around them would be able to see them as something different, something closer to the one, the true, the creator God. And being removed from that had stripped them of who they were. 
But even in the midst of that removal, something special had happened, and it seems to be something special that God does on numerous occasions as we look through the story, or at least His story or history, that whenever a taking away happens, there's always a promise of something that can be reclaimed. Well, the beginning of the book of Ezra is a book of joy, because that promise of being able to come back is something that starts to find a grounding and a basis. And these 45,000 people and the donkeys and the horses and the camels and the everything else are the first wave of people who once had been able to claim themselves as close to God, reclaiming that stake once again reclaiming something that had been important to them. And so, if we look at this list of names, as opposed to just being something that exists to chronicle something, this is actually something really quite special. It's something that is unique, and it's unique to the faith that we carry. Each and every single one of those names, which represents each and every single life that is returning back to the fold of God, each every single one of them, that is 45,000 yeses to the purpose and the practice of God reestablishing itself. That's 45,000 pieces of evidence that God is still real. That's 45,000 pieces of evidence that people can engage with God once more. That's 45,000 pieces of evidence that God doesn't renege on His promise. That's 45,000 pieces of evidence that God's sovereign power exists and continues to exist over all of time and creation. That's what that list is. And when we start to see that identifier it's not just pieces of evidence. It's lives of evidence. These are human beings incorporated into the awesome grand narrative of God over this world. 45,000 human lives that can bear witness to the fact that God is great and God is good, and God redeems His people, and God comes back for His faithful, and God never leaves those whom He has chosen, and God never abandons those even if they abandon Him. 45,000 lives in the first wave of God bringing hope. Do you know what this is? This is a homecoming, a people being drawn out of an area of death back into the marker of life. God once again announcing to the world, these people are mine and I am theirs. tell you something. Lists within the culture that I was raised are kind of important. Maybe I could drill home just how important a list is to, well, that side of the family. 
by showing you a little video clip of a time your name be written in the book of life. We have a teaching which is based on that, but it comes from an understanding that actually there are two books. There's a book of death and a book of life, and one's name can be transferred from death to life, but only through the application of blood. There's a wonderful, wonderful picture that is carried within Christian faith that sometimes we forget bears resonance to that and to that, that the sealing that takes place and the ink that dries on the paper of the book of life that transfers and writes down the names of those who are faithful, your name is written in the blood of Christ, in the blood of Jesus. Jesus who would have known these stories. Jesus who came from that people, our people, a people who we've been grafted into. We illustrate something incredible in this world for this place and for this time. We are the people who Jesus bought who have been able to walk away from the confines of exile, from his love, through a world that does not care how we live and probably doesn't care how we die, into the hands of a Savior whose, nail, whose, whose, whose hands were pierced, a pierced Savior, a pierced hands of a Savior who bled the ink that was required to transfer your name from the book of death to the book of life. You are a homecoming. You are the sound of hope that speaks through generations because it wasn't just about the 45,000. It was about the people who were born of these people and the people who were born after that and were born after that and were born after that who were continually able to live and exist because of the decision of a few who actually were a many to return home and heed the call of a God who wanted to draw them back closer to us. If that is not a description of the hope and the reality of what the church is meant to be, and indeed Christianity is meant to be, then I don't know what is. You are a homecoming. You are the potential. You are the people who are walking through the desert to return to the promised land of promise and hope and glory and wonder and heaven, a plan and a, and a place that has been prepared for you by a God and a Jesus who went before you, who entered into heaven to give you a home, to give you a room, to give you a room not just in any old house, but in His family's house, a home which is engulfed and identified by love that goes beyond what is possible in the finite, and it covers everything because it is infinite. And that is who you are. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad God takes more care over speaking the names on that list than I have done historically of speaking the names of those who went before me. 
Because your name, your name cost, but your name was worth it. Even if just one of you sat here, it would be worth it. Even if just one came every Sunday and sat in this pew. And so think how incredible it is that you're able to fill your place with 100 and 130 or 150 names. How astounding is that? Do you know what I want to see when I see something like that? I want to see them emblazoned on the wall. Because your name is worth something. Not just something to glance over. And that, 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 that member's role that you have locked away in a cupboard somewhere that represents the totality of everyone who's existed in this church. I wonder how many names are there. I wonder how many people came home and how many people were invited to come home. There's an interesting little snippet in there. Did you catch it? Even the people who weren't able to claim and show documents to be able to support the fact that they were originally citizens of this place, of the promised land, they came back. Were they kicked out? No. No, they, they were given a place too. There's a saying, a saying from a book of wisdom within my forefathers' traditions, or my foremothers' traditions, maybe I should say. He who saves a life saves the world entire. That phrase was inscribed within a plain gold ring that was given to Schindler at the downfall of the Nazi regime. Do you know what we've got? He who gave his life saves the world entire. I want to ask you a question tonight. What if this church was the mass exodus of people walking through the desert and returning to the promises of God. What is that is what you right here, right now, represent at this time in this place? What difference would that make if there was a list that you knew existed in this place that always had a gap at the bottom for one more? that could never be filled and could never be completed unless every single person in the totality of history and into the future was written down. What if the inkwell is filled with one who was willing to give up his life so that you could be the process by which more names were written? What if God doesn't care whether you can prove that your residency used to be in the promised land, but only cares that you show the faithfulness to be able to come and try and access it now? What if the church was meant to be the all-welcoming, all-encompassing place where that list could grow, where more people could enter in? Would that be a case 
for mourning or would that be a case for joy? Would that give you a weight of burden or would that encourage you to step forward? What if you could see your name on the list? How would that change who you are in your own mind? Because let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that is what you are. There is a book written in a place of eternity that currently has your name and one more space for one more. Amen.